Welcome. You are listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's better to hear it live, this is the place to catch the latest sermon, conversation, and select program. If you like what you're hearing or want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get a notification for our next episode. Enjoy and see you in shul. Welcome to Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast, Conversations with Cosgrove. That's me, your host and your rabbi, until the chairman is done with me. Uh, It is great to be here, though. The topic of today's conversation, as so many of our conversations since October 7th, is about a very difficult subject, Um, the mental health challenges in light of the Hamas attacks on the 7th of October Uh, It is uh, a conversation that has so many different dimensions to it. We've had uh, just a few weeks ago, we had mothers of uh, two hostages. We have had uh, military experts come in. We have had uh, representatives from uh, the International Law Committee speaking about what's going on in the Court of Justice. We've spoken about the uh, uh, social services crisis in Israel as families have been displaced. We've talked about the, the soldiers who are presently fighting in Gaza and the effects of this war on them and on their families and of course, the victims themselves, the families and individual lives that have been lost, as well as the irreplaceable losses that those families um, have experienced. So there are no shortage of stories within this greater story. But when we were in Israel uh, as a community uh, in December, we met with Leah Naor, who um, I think there was general consensus that Leah, Dr. Leah Naor, the founder of Healing Space, um, has a very important story to tell, her response in the moment and her ongoing work in emotional trauma care. Um, She is a nature-based therapist, a social worker, has a PhD in human counseling and development, and is the founder and head of Ways of Knowing, a center for nature-based therapy and personal development. You may have read uh, of her work recently in the New York Times it was featured. Uh, Leah has published her work in central professional journals and lectures in Israel and abroad. Uh, Leah Naor, thank you for joining us. Thank you for speaking to our group. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. Um, It's wonderful to uh, be in dialogue with you. It's an honor. Uh, Leah, so many um, of us who were in Israel heard the story of healing space. I'm wondering if you could just tell me, um, maybe not uh, the full story, we don't have the full evening, but but what happened on October 7th? How did your life transform uh, on that day and, and this response that you and your colleagues had um, in terms of the mental health challenges? On the uh, 7th of October, I was in total shock, just like um, most of the people in Israel. And um, by the 8th of October, I had to find some way to be of use and to be meaningful. Um, And I went down to the Dead Sea with a colleague of mine to uh, help give um, emotional aid 
to people from the kibbutzim that were taken to the hotels there. And um, and I was listening to the news and thinking about all the youngsters who were at the parties, the Nova parties, um, 3,500 young people who went out uh, to dance and to enjoy life. Um, most of them were also in altered states of consciousness. And um, so many of them um, just went through such awful atrocities. And as we're driving, I'm asking myself, who's taking care of all these people? It's not that the kibbutzim had it better, but they had a community. And, it's, and, and, and soldiers had their divisions. And different places over Israel had families and communities that were supporting them. But these people were thousands and numerous, and nobody knew what was going on, whether it was um, the ones that came back or the ones that didn't come back, and the families not knowing um, what what was going on. And I called a friend who had a big area near his home, open to nature, and I said, I need your space. Can I have your space? And he said, yes. And I spent the next four hours until we got to the hotels in the Dead Sea making phone calls and putting up posts on Facebook and Instagram, looking for psychologists and um, social workers and psychiatrists that would come in the next day at nine o'clock in the morning, we opened Healing Space. Um, so that was the beginning of, of the story. Um, very early on, we realized that none of the people that were coming could verbally speak to what they went through or could share or even needed to. And that what the first aid, the first emotional aid that they needed was hugging and a warm meal and grounding and kind of feeling into some way to trust whether it was um, us standing there, whether it was the ground, whether it was the people of Israel, they had been so deeply abandoned um, that was what they had felt by nobody for hours answering the phone. No, their parents didn't come. The police didn't come. The soldiers didn't come. We know that people did come, but they didn't get to them. And they didn't, they felt that they were totally abandoned. So it took, um, they, they, they were deeply fragmented and deeply wounded in their trust of who is handling this state, this place, this war. And where can I find my safety? So the number one was giving them an area that was informal so that they could regulate their nervous system. They could sit, they could meet good eyes, caring eyes that would ask them just if they ate this morning and just how they slept and if they, if they needed a hug. And then um, slowly I realized that what was very helpful for them was being touched. So we had professional reflexologist or people doing massage, cranial sacral, but also bringing in soccer balls and somebody that um, could play the guitar. And slowly, slowly, we could really see before our eyes them taken from a frozen situation and slowly, slowly kind of warming into back into their bodies, back into their feelings, back into what, into being verbally active, 
And within the hours or the days, they also could ask for help that was psychological and verbal. But basically what, what happened without me actually meaning it is that we opened a kind of emotional ER for trauma that was informal and integrative that had lots and lots and lots, hundreds of volunteers that just wanted to give these people a warm, caring, beautiful and professional atmosphere. And that helped a lot of them. So I'm going to, I, I want to keep uh, focus for a second on, I don't want to get too clinical. Um, and I realize everyone's narrative is different. We're talking about a, a large community uh, of the survivors who are traumatized by, you know, at, at the Nova Music Festival. Um, but uh, what would, I mean, have you ever seen anything like this in, in all of your years as a mental health professional? What, what are you seeing um, with this specific community? You mentioned that they, um, they were at a festival, they're young people. Many of them might have been um, uh, partying or in altered states of mind. And I'm just, I'm just trying to understand in, in fullness if, if it, there's such a thing um, from from a clinical perspective, what uh, these individuals are facing. You, you mentioned abandonment. You mentioned trauma. Uh, yeah. Just uh, I'd like to spend one, one more minute on that before we, yeah. we talk about healing space itself. Such a good and um, complex um, question and answer because um, the state of mind that they were at whether if they were in or were not in altered state of consciousness was so the opposite of of the deep evil and darkness and dehumanization that these people met um so so that in itself is such complex trauma but then there's the deaths and there's the body and there's the massacres and there's the rape and there's being under attack and really having death all around you, but also a death threat around you for many, many hours. And then if you add to that the fact that you're not getting help and you're not feeling that you're backed up by anything, so your trust is lost also. And your parents are not coming, but the state isn't, isn't getting there. And so all those issues together left us with a situation with very, very, very complex trauma. But in that, Rabbi Kosarov, I also want to say that the goodness that these people felt coming back and to their families, but especially what we felt that was going on in healing space, the, the gratitude, the deep gratitude and the feeling of how these people are cared for and held was so enormous. And we know that if you give adequate help and it's immediate within, within a, a um, proximity of the, of the situation, of the traumatic situation, then there are, there's a high chance that these people will not develop PTSD. And that was really my goal at the beginning is this is what we've gone through, but there's a lot to do 
for these people to heal and we're doing it. And you have also been supportive of that. And so we've had more than 5,000 people come through healing space within the first three months. How many, how many were at the concert to begin with? How many were? There was about 3,500, a little more. Um, Some of them are not with us today, but they've come with their immediate families and spouses that have lost their beloved ones and parents that have lost their children there. So there, there's so many circles around each one of the people that was there. And um, now I'm very intent on working with the soldiers. And again, you see that it's the mothers waiting at home or the spouses that have been three months with small children, not knowing if their husbands will come back or not under such stress, um, not being able to get through the month financially, just and not having school or kindergartens or not having a home. So many of the population. So the first thing I want to say, or maybe the, the, the basic, is that what we really need now is softness. And we have amazing, amazing, amazing protocols of what to do in traumatic situations, even though there have never been situations like this in the world. Okay, like what happened at the Nova Festival? This is a first in history. So we're, we're kind of building the protocols as we're going on. And that's something that um, I was lucky that I could do within Healing Space. Every single evening I would sit with all the therapists, body and, and uh, psychiatrists and psychologists. And I would ask them, what's coming up from the field? What's coming up from the field? And then I would decide what we need to do the next day. So it was learning as we're going in what we're needing here. But I think one of the important things to say now that I'm seeing the soldiers, and I'm talking about the soldiers just because... Um, no, I, want, I want to lot, talk about the soldiers. Uh, a lot of good now. work has been, has been done with the Nova survivors. A lot of really, really good work. And I think it's time um, to welcome back the soldiers. And we don't want to welcome them back like what happened in Vietnam. We want to know what to do now. And um, being in a state where you're saving lives all day and then coming home to screaming children is really, really difficult. Um, And how you eat and how you sleep and how you go back to functioning in a mundane world is not something easy. So tell me, Leah, who are the people of Healing Space? Are these volunteers? Are these individuals who are full-time? Are they government employees? I mean, uh, October 7th came out of nowhere, and now you are creating this entire organization um, devoted to um, acute mental health care. Who are, who, what makes Healing Space Healing Space? That's such a great question. Um, the space itself is is my goal is that the space itself will be healing so it's not um this hierarchy where i'm going to go to this professional and the professional is going to tell me how to help myself but it's connecting people that are in need to the option that they know how to heal themselves so we all live with a deep intelligence about about um healing and we need to tap into that and I, I um, the idea was that the space would be inform us of how we want to heal, where the person who comes has the agency. 
We know that trauma is so much about helplessness. But if you come to healing space, you can choose what you need to heal. There are many, many different options. Um, and the idea is that a person is not only just body or just psyche or just soul or just spirit, but to heal, we need all those on board. So we're trying to tap into an, uh, a space that is soft, that is warm, that is down to earth, that is connected to nature, which is so much a part of our ability to, to connect um, with, with that atmosphere that is always growing and is so alive and ever-changing and non-judgmental. And to connect to, to that space within ourselves and with the outer selves is, is really, really important. Um, and also to have a community of helpers so that the people that are working in healing space are also a community. We are also going through a very, very difficult, challenging, and traumatic time. But we're not alone. So we have one another. So we have our group spaces. And we have our connections, whether it's in the evenings when, when we have our team meetings or in the morning where I have, when we have our workshops. There are times where we can connect or when I need to go aside and, and cry, somebody else can take in for me. So it's not being alone like we're so used to in our clinics, but it's being a community that's supporting a community that's supporting a community. And I tell the survivors, all the soldiers or the investigators or policemen or the people that come, I say, I say, you know, you're helping me get through this time. So I don't know who's helping who, but we have uh, a saying in Judaism, Nero me nero yair. Um, your light is, is bringing more light. So when I light a candle, I don't, um, I don't have less light. I'm just bringing more. And that's kind of what, what we're doing in this space. But I want to say another thing, which is so important now in the land of Israel, just be strong and tough it out and be strong and you can do it. And that's the legacy. And that's the culture here. And I even saw, um, uh, one of the soldiers that was killed a week ago, all his friends um, ran out of, of the units that they were in in the hospital um, with bandages over their heads. And some of them were still bleeding and with crutches. And they, they said they, they, they had to hold the, the coffin. They wouldn't stay in the hospital. And it said under, under the news report, and no one cried, like as, as how tough they are and how strong they are. And that's what scares me. Because for us to be healthy, we need to know how to hold our pain and we need it to be warm and we need it to be alive and we need it to be moving. So healing space is also going to deal with how we're going to grieve and how we're going to keep our deep, deep pain warm. Because if that freezes, we won't know how to be in good connections and relationships with our spouses, with our children, with one another. And that can turn into violence. And we know that a lot of times after trauma, there is an upgrade in violence. Um, and, and that's kind of like what I'm taking on is how we can be strong in our feeling and in being alive and in grieving together as community. And Judaism has so many beautiful parts of 
of how we grieve as a community. So I want I really want to hold that for my people and to see how we implement that in daily life and that there will be spaces for healing, for grieving, for feeling, and that in that way, in a way that's soft and integrative and connected, we can heal together. And that's where our our strength will be. And if we can get out of this and we can strengthen out of this and post-traumatic growth is such a big field, um, the support we get from you and from one each other and the ability to hold each other now and not worry about um, how I get through the day tomorrow, that there's a place to come to that can, can, is a holding place, a holding space, a sanctuary. Well, you are, are doing sacred work. And I know that, uh, you know, you, you speak of the soldiers and many of our families have relatives, my own family. Um, I, I just think conceptually the, um, it, it's deeply personal, but I also think of waging a war of uncertain duration with the mothers and fathers at home. You know, you don't know if your kid, you know, because this isn't a war overseas. This is a war next door that your kid might be coming home tomorrow for 24 hours, might not be, you don't know, and also might not be coming home ever, God forbid. And so it is uh, the, the dynamic of, of just the uncertainty and what's happening with these families, never mind if they are parents with children at home. Um, are, are there uh, governmental agencies um, can, or is this all privately funded people like you who are doing this? Um, that that I, I know everyone's on a million what, WhatsApp groups of everyone trading, trading stories. We think our kids are coming home this weekend or next weekend, or you read the news. Um, who's, who's partnering with who to help these families of soldiers get through this moment? Uh, there's a lot that they're doing in the IDF. And we are getting support slowly, but we kind of have to prove ourselves to get that. But that's okay. And the people here are very strong. And what the people of Israel have done, um, it brings me down to my, to my knees and brings me to tears to see what beautiful, beautiful people caring, working around the clock and with, with excitement and, and a happy to help. Um, but, but I do want to say that, that just as you said, this is, first of all, we're still under attack and the hostages are not home and we don't know what will be tomorrow. And this is a war in every home and in every psyche and in, in it's, it's 24 hours. And um, for me, one of the things I'm afraid of is that this is becoming normal. What what happens when this is normal, when I ring the doorbell on my neighbor's door and she opens the door and she sees it's me and she collapses. And then I realize that I shouldn't have rung the doorbell because her son is in Gaza. And and she thinks it's maybe them coming to tell her that, that that's not normal. That there are so many little things today 
that it's becoming normal to just to have so many hostages underground in tunnels and to still get up every day and to go through the day. And I don't know, it's like this great juggling act between connecting to, to the daily, everyday, mundane parts of life, but also having so many parts of our heart in so many other places and being so deeply affected and worried of, of, of how, what the outcome to this will be and how safety is number one in, in the hierarchy of needs everywhere in the world. Safety is number one. We don't have safety. How do we get anywhere else without that? that bottom line how and how how do we create that how do we build that i don't have an understanding about that i i know that i can deeply connect to to my strengths and what i have to give and to the goodness and and what it means to be deeply human in these times but besides that we need to find safety yeah, yeah. dr liana or the founder of healing space an initiative built to offer emotional response for the trauma and the ongoing trauma of not just the victims, the families of the Hamas attacks, but also the soldiers, their families. We were honored to hear from you uh, when we were in Israel. We were honored to hear from you today. We're honored to support your work and to use your words back to you, to you, Nero Minero Yair, that a candle to a candle will um, kindle itself and bring light. And so hopefully the Park Avenue community sees itself as a candle helping light your um, or your light. Um, ta-da, ta-da, ta-da. Thank you. And it's great to have you here. And we look forward to continuing the conversation and the next uh, edition of Park Avenue Synagogue Podcasts. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. See you in shul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.